Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Welcome everyone to another episode of Tej Talks. Today we are talking to Andy and this is a really good conversation. If you're interested in land and development, potentially some commercial conversions or, or commercial opportunities, especially this year and in 2021, then you need to listen to this. We, we kind of go through the step-by-step process of you know how to source land deals. And also we touch on some of the direct-to-vendor elements, how to write a good D2V letter. But really we talk about the graft, you know, the graft of sourcing deals and actually why maybe buying deals and sourcing some at the same time is better for your business. I really enjoyed this as I'm, you know, looking at land now, learning it, understanding it, viewing it, putting offers in. So this was really, really interesting for me. And of course, if you're not following me on Instagram, what are you doing? I show you my journey there every day. I'm posting something. I'm showing you what I'm up to. So go follow me there uh, and go check out my book on Amazon. Uh, Yeah. Andy, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. So I think you've got an interesting background story and, you know, what your company has done is is something that's going to interest a lot of people who are listening. I think in particular, um, getting a high yield in high value areas and looking at land and development, you know, I think those two are going to be quite big areas that um, people maybe don't know enough about. Um, and I think high yield in a high value area is definitely something that seems unusual and it's not very common, at least in in kind of uh, everyday knowledge. But before we get into that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and then I suppose how you got into property? Yeah, of course. So my name is Andy Babayan. Um, I'm literally just about to celebrate my 43rd birthday. So, you know, sort of, um, so it's coming into middle age. Um, I've been in property uh, since 2000 and two i think we've we've bought a house in cyprus and um and 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 then i sort of got into investing with my brother up in the midlands um uh when property was really really inexpensive he went to university in coventry and we, we bought investment property up there um i'm uh i joined the army at that time um went to sandhurst and commissioned into the royal engineers and uh, my brother and I sort of, you know, um, used what little money we had to, um, yeah, to start start buying properties together, build up a, um, you know, very small portfolio, and um, uh, you know, we 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 bought, you know, so at that time, sort of pre pre recession um, uh, financial meltdown, where you know you could buy, and we did, you know, we bought a flat in in Birmingham, you know, on. And literally on a credit card, you know, with sort of assisted deposits and things that, you know, very much frowned upon nowadays. Um, so then we sort of, when is that? We, we did get our fingers burnt in the, um, in the 2007, 2008 recession and um, learned quite a lot of lessons from that really around sort of certainly what to invest in and um, risk and um 
you know, and also we were sort of, we had our fingers burnt by the people that we were dealing with, sources and the people working property sort of, you know, when things became difficult, they were nowhere to be seen, um, which is sort of something that really stuck with me. Um, I left the army 2009. I was a, I, I sort of served Iraq, Afghanistan, um, lots of other places. I was, uh, I um, served as a, uh, primarily as a public disposal officer. And I, I sort of lost interest in the army really, because what they hadn't explained to me was that, um, officer means officer and i was sort of um, i was really really enjoyed uh, regimental deployment but i wasn't really um as excited about all of the sort of paperwork and legwork that the rest of my career would potentially entail so i, I left 2009 and then um worked uh, went over worked in commercial defense moved out to the middle east i was born in the middle east grew up in the middle east so i went back out to abu dhabi um, and a lot of that was really around saving up money to invest in property um, I sort of divert, diversified my investments then. I still hold um, physical silver. Um, I own uh, some property in America. I own freehold forestry in Germany. And a lot of around that was around sort of hedging against, um, you know, future stock market crashes around um, currency devaluations and things like that. So um, we also built up a decent pot of money that came back to the UK, um, unfortunately. I lost my job out in the Middle East. Um, we better start a new one. Um, and that was taking a long time to come through. I decided to come back and set up Target 5, which was designed as a property sourcing business, helping people find sort of decent quality investments, firstly all over the UK and leveraging the contacts that I had in the Midlands. I went to University of Manchester, I had some contacts up there. Um, and very soon I realized that that was really, really difficult with young twins, as I had. My, you know, we had our, our twins in 2013, and um, I then decided to focus my attention on Brighton and Hove, and then sort of spread out slightly across the south. Uh, Target Five has is a property consultancy. We source and develop properties for ourselves and other people. We've completed coming up to 400 developments. More than 200 of those have been student HMO developments for the Central Gravity in Brighton, but we've also done new build, conversion, lots of commercial conversion, um, uh, the sort of the, the almost sort of like the full full range of stuff. And, and the focus um, now is very much on finding decent quality, and it really is down to the quality in decent locations, high-yield opportunities, so not exclusively HMO. In fact, more than half isn't um, to buy to hold. And then we then use um, planning, uplift, uh, land, uh, development, the new build to return cash capital. And then that's sort of, you know, we, we do that for ourselves and, and our clients. We've sort of trimmed down um, our client list a little bit and we've built some really, really strong relations all of our, um, the, all of our um, clients, sort of to date, with the exception of in the last year, we've done a little bit more, a little bit more sort of social media. Um, before that, everything came through referral and recommendation, which I think is the best sort of way to um, to work if you can. Um, essentially, really dealing with uh, people with money 
in and around Brighton up to London. Um, and they, you know, a lot of those people are people who have got successful businesses, don't have time, and therefore, you know, look, look to look to invest with someone. Um, we've essentially operated as a service, which means that they buy the property and they we sort of assist them in developing it and then take a profit share. This is sort of really important to me uh, because, you know, the experience I had in in the recession was that, you know, I paid finders fees and stuff. And the moment things became difficult, these people were nowhere to be seen. Whereas the way we, we operate is that we, um, uh, we take our money at the back end and we're with people for the whole journey, you know, so if it doesn't work for them, it doesn't work for us. And that, that's really sort of helped with them, um, you know, gaining trust. And I suppose with the referral and recommendations that we've had. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good point there actually because yeah all sources all you know people who acquire properties generally you know I haven't really come across one who and I've spoken to a lot who would take it off the back end so I think what you're doing is is definitely different to the sort of what people call deal sourcing and it's kind of I suppose it's a different level um, and I definitely want to talk about that just to highlight the differences between that and what a lot of people do but you mentioned something interesting you said you own freehold German forestry how does that work what's the kind of like how does it benefit what is it <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I suppose you know it may not work you know I think there was a time when um, and I had some really sort of interesting friends out in Abu Dhabi who worked in you know one guy who worked for the, the Abu Dhabi fund and they, they were buying sort of super you know super strategic type things and he sort of was um, he's the one who sort of put me onto it but essentially what, what it is it owns, owns some land in what was what was East German uh, East Germany um, and uh, it's um, a couple of hectares, five five acres, five um, thousand trees, and it's um, of uh, Rabinia, which is a North American hardwood that's been actually sort of indigenous to that area of Germany and across Poland as well um, for the last 60, 70, 80 years. Um, and it's, it's a reasonably fast-growing hardwood sort of perfect for outside furniture they use it in play parks and um stuff like that so the the, the idea is you basically they you, you grow the trees and then you uh, harvest them after 10 years i think as you can i think you can then trim them back down to the stump they'll grow again i think three times and then you start again but the whole idea is that you you should get all of your money back plus some um after the first cycle and then after that it's it's pure profit it was it was designed originally that it would would have been appropriate to put into a um a sip but then there were some challenges around that a lots of stuff at the time where um there were developments out in um all sorts of schemes going on we probably know about them and and, and stuff out in sort of all over the place and so suffering forestry which meant that it then became very difficult for that to work so it is it, it's it's a, it's a standalone investment but I, as i say i haven't I haven't yet got to the, and I'm not, I think I'm a couple of years away from the, um, uh, the first harvest. And we had quite a few storms as well, three, four years ago. So I lost quite a lot of trees. So it hasn't quite, it's cost me more than I anticipated. So we, we will see, maybe I'll, I'll, let, I'll have to let you know in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I mean, because when we think of like property or land, there's so many different uses for it. 
And that makes sense because we use timber for, for so many things and it, you know, yeah, I suppose it's interesting to give people a little bit of insight into something that just we wouldn't think of that might be a good investment for people or at least get them thinking about other kind of investments. So I think my first question is, you know, you're, you're, you're acquiring these deals, you're helping, you know, busy people through it and, you know, taking a profit at the end. What, what made you, cause a lot of people, source property which is different to what you're doing but they source properties as a stepping stone into property they do it as a start but you're doing it as i suppose a quite a big element of the business although i suppose it becomes like a jv what made you want to do this instead of just well i suppose buying everything yourself and developing it all yourself so i mean i've, I've built up a decent portfolio for myself as well the the the, the idea was and and remains to because um, we have all of the infrastructure. So we have a sort of team, um, three of us at the front end, and we do a lot of, you know, we write a lot of letters. We use Land Insight. I'm um, currently on Paul Higgs Mentorship Program. We've done lots of different training. That's, and then, and we're, um, so we're constantly looking at stuff as well as having very good relations with local agents, uh, especially commercial agents at the moment. We have a team at the back end. So we have the whole, you know, project managers, um, quantity surveyors, planning consultants, architects. The idea, the idea being, is that I would, in order to be to, to build up a decent portfolio myself and to do it well, I would need to have all of this infrastructure. So I may as well have it, um, and 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 sort of set it up so that I can then become more of a, a master buyer. So you know, we we deal with a really decent volume of deals. So then when agents are, they've got something. So a lot of the stuff that we deal with is pre-market. So it's really pre-market and off-market that we deal with. Um, And they're both as good as each other. If you talk to Paul Higgs, he says everything's got to be off-market. And I, I, you know, I've got a lot of respect for him, but, um, you know, I I, I disagree because there there are lots of opportunities pre-market where people are coming to, they they want to sell something and therefore they're motivated. Um, if you act as a master bar and you do a decent volume, then you then become a one-stop shop for the agents. And they know if, you've, if you're quite clear about what your criteria is, then, you know, you can you can get the pick of the deals. So that, that was really the idea of, of doing it for other people as well and then using the money that we make for other people to then, you know, form the, the capital that we need for deposits and refurb budgets and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. And it's one of those things, isn't it? Agents like people who are buying and buying a lot and doing it quickly and, you know, paying them their commission. So like you said, master buyer, if you were giving them all of that and then some, whether or not you're buying it or not, you know, you're personally yourself, it gives you the the pick of them, which is a which is a really good way of looking at it, actually. Maybe more people who are buying should consider some sort of acquisition or sourcing because, it could make sense for them as well. And of course, you know, it makes money. Now, one of the points I wanted to to kind of talk to you about is high yield in high value areas. So generally high value areas tend to have low yields. People kind of in London or these in the South tend to go North or wherever to get these high yields. How does it work with you? And, And I suppose, yeah, what is, what do you do to get a high yield in high value areas? I mean, this is this, is the sort of holy holy grail i mean i, I you know I've, I've sort of um and it goes back to that time when i was buying forestry and silver and all these things as i view real estate and land as a commodity you know since um 
this came off the gold standard fiat currency loses you know loses value through you know whether we see it um a period of high inflation remains to be seen. Um, I think it's probably quite likely that it will at some stage in the next five years. But, you know, having decent located property means that you're going to um, benefit from good levels of capital appreciation. It also means you're able to sell to different markets. You know, having a – I'm not sort of to, to trying to run down, um, you know, sort of uh, – you know, big HMOs up north or whatever else, but it means you, it's quite difficult to then shift that on. It's not especially liquid. So having stuff in decent locations means you've got various markets you can sell to and it's attractive for, for people that, you know, not just listeners to your program, but just sort of Joe Public who, you know, sort of will identify, oh, you know, it's in Brighton, it's near the pier, it's near the sea, it's near the train station, blah, blah, blah. So then, you know, then and, and we really, I really do focus on that. So the trick then is to try and find, find high yield now the way that i do that is um around certainly understanding locations understanding properties and that's why we know you know that's one of the reasons we stuck to the the same geography you know geographical locations around you know brighton hove port slade worthing um, littlehampton Bogner is you've been to you know you've been to 10 15 20 houses in every street so you know what's there now a lot of it really is around understanding planning and understanding licensing and understanding the planners and the licensors, not so that you can um, circumnavigate, but just so that you can take advantage of um, the uh, the relevant regulations. That's national planning policy. It's local Article 4 directions. It's licensing irregularities in the in the area to to pick up arbitrage opportunities. So for that, really, it, it's around finding properties that are a decent size. So everything we do is on a square foot price. We approach everything in the same way as you would do a new build um, in terms of looking at what what the value is, what, you know, what the, the buy, buy-in value is, what the end value is going to be, um, and then just finding stuff that's essentially you know, under – underpriced now a lot of that is through conversion and change of use so for a long time for us that was c3 to c4 um outside and inside the article 4 inside article 4 with planning and we you know literally had mapping systems have um uh, planning consultants that we meet with every week you know so everything just becomes a drill we understand exactly what the planners are looking for exactly what the dimensions they're looking for so you know we haven't um you know, our success rate in planning applications is, is basically unrivaled because we know we don't bother trying to put something in that we know that's going to that's going to be difficult or too contentious. So it's it's around it's around knowing that. And then, you know, more recently we've done a lot more commercial conversions. So you've got class O, you've got class G, you've got class M, uh, and understanding where the established parades are, where the where the council have um you know, accepted conversion of, you know, retail to residential, where we feel it's morally um, appropriate as well. So uh, it's really just about knowing knowing the area that you're in and then understanding where the, there are decent size properties that you can then convert. And then, you know, so that, that that's really around creating creating the yield through that. So you've got something in decent location, then 
finding a way of then making it work and it needs to make it work you know make needs to be appropriate to the market as well so it's all about then understanding you know because all everything that we do is um almost everything we do is going to be held either by ourselves or by a client and therefore it needs to be rented out which means that the commercial needs to be appropriate for the market that's there so it's really sort of end um end user based and then you know what we've got above we do we, we try not to sort of flood the market with huge great sui generis type you know things that may look great on a spreadsheet but if they're going to be difficult to 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 rent we really try to keep the quality high decent you know where we can decent room sizes um decent amenity which means we don't have a huge throughput of tenants and we can also then you know charge charge you know rents that that make the yield attractive so it's it's, it's essentially it's, it's a process and it's you know it used to be a little bit around just you know trying to find you know two three four bed houses that could turns in turn into fives and sixes in areas and that was just you know it was sort of that probably was um reflective where i was at personally in terms of my sort of property knowledge and journey and since then it's it's far more about approach you know approaching as you would do a ball when you're playing golf and actually having a full a full set of clubs and then just understanding what's most appropriate and also listening to the people that you know you respect that advise you so that's planning consultants that's architects that's solicitors and having a decent team around them and, and being open to change you know project managers as well you know and getting the whole team together and then sort of finding the best way to you know to sort of to use a property that can you know be high yield in year one but also you know remain high yield you know for the next 10 and 20 years which is the plan to hold them for that sort of time hmm, that makes sense and i suppose you know speaking of commercial in the kind of corona environment we're in and i suppose the increasing digital environment you know high streets dying all this kind of stuff we're hearing you know do you think that you know, I suppose, well, I suppose the general question is, you know, general thoughts on commercial in 2021 and beyond. And also, you know, do you maybe then see more opportunities for even more conversions because there's just going to be so much unused convert um, commercial in certain type of um, sort of areas? Well, there's definitely going to be more, you know, more opportunity. Obviously, consultation is just finished for the um, class E to c3 it's got the new use class e and the e class e to c3 it looks there's a, a legal opinion um stating that uh it, it, it's likely that it will sort of um uh supersede previous article fours and therefore there is going to be you know huge amounts of opportunity um for conversion and certainly we're going to see, you know, in, in the areas in which we operate, we're seeing, you know, a big shift in um, retail, lots of empty premises. And you've got some businesses and industries that are really thriving. And those, unfortunately, are not. And, it, you know, and it's not, you know, really good. have got to sort of remember that this isn't, you know, even though it does present opportunities for us, it isn't a good thing. You know, it, it's, um, I mean, you know, it needs to be sort of, um, uh respectful you know those sort of you know those industries and all that sort of stuff so it's um but the i, th- I think really it's it's around picking up very quickly on the patterns um understanding which areas because there is going to be a sort of migration if you like of um 
of where the main retail centers are and the types of tenant that are going to be there. So it's about understanding which, and it's always happened, you know, you go into places that used to be busy high streets and now they're residential areas and things do move and it has always been thus. We're just going to see a big change, I think. Um, and, and the councils, you know, if they get it right, will need to sort of reevaluate quite quickly what they consider to be primary and secondary frontages to strategically sort of rebalance and focus town centres so that they can keep a decent level of footfall in areas that, um, you know, that require it. And and certainly if they want to sort of be able to sort of, con- you know, um, continue to charge decent amount of business rates, they're going to do that. They're going to need to do that and have appropriate parking and infrastructure around that. Um, but then also then they're going to need to, to essentially let some areas go. Um, and there are the examples in Brighton of streets that already pre-COVID had almost, you know, no footfall anymore, but are still considered, you know, even in the, the most recent city plan to be primary, you know, strategic frontages. And that just isn't isn't where it's at. So I think it's about recognising and, you know, sort of seeing where the pattern's going to be to, to a certain extent, second-guessing what the councils are going to do. And, and we remain to see whether they're going to have any power in this at all. Um, and then also then, so then to see what, what opportunities there are for development, applying this sort of moral bit where say look, it just isn't right to develop stuff in you know even if you can in locations that it just isn't appropriate so you know um, like right in this you know in the center of pedestrianized areas and things like that we remain to see what's going to happen but it's you know i think we we do need to keep town and city centers you know this and keep the sense of community so, so it, it's sort of doing what's what's right and certainly paul higgs is really really strong on that you know he's sort of you know, it's constantly drumming, you know, into us is, is, you know, whether you can, you know, isn't the same thing as, you know, whether it's right. Um, and then it's around, you know, so say so you, you find out where you can develop stuff, you've worked out whether it's going to fit, it's right for the, you know, right for the market from a residential perspective. But then also you need to be looking at what you're going to do, assuming you're going to keep some sort of commercial, which you then you need to be able to find tenants. So then therefore it's around just looking at, at the sizes. So I think these huge, great, as you say, you know these 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 um, uh, these these much larger blue chip type organisations. It used to be the jackpot. You know these these fantastic covenants that commercial landlords would look for. Um, they're they're going to be hard, and so therefore it's around looking at what the right size of unit is, because it's got to be you've got to be able to have a decent tenant, and you've got to, it's got to be affordable for businesses. So it's in it's in around just making sure you've got the right commercial space, and that it's going to be. You know that it's you know, obviously got the, we've got a, a new flexible use class E, but then you need to make sure that the actual unit is flexible because it's quite likely that you are going to see quite a bit of throughput. I think that the, the days of getting somebody in for twenty years have gone, and therefore you've got to be um, you know flexible and be able to get sort of you know um, somebody in and then you know have something that's then sort of able to be repurposed relatively easily. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it, there has been a shift in the commercial market in that sense. And I suppose, you know, people need to look for opportunities. I mean, you know, when things like these online clothes retailers and Amazon, they're all going to need warehouses and places to distribute things from. And so, you know, maybe there's a shift within the market that may, may take it to a bigger level than your little corner shop. But you know, there's, well, I suppose where there's always threats, there's always opportunities on the other side, which have kind of shared some of the things to de-risk uh, people when they're looking for these things. Now, you know, speaking of looking, 
sourcing is obviously a big part of what you do and it's something we all have to do uh, to find deals, you know, to make property work. I think when it comes to land in particular, you know, because I think when it comes to, you know, like if you're buying a buy-to-let or a HMO or a flip, you know, it's quite obvious, I suppose, how you kind of go about sourcing them and it's quite straightforward. You know, generally they're online, you build relationships, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to land and having it pre-market or off-market, like we've kind of mentioned before in general, you know, for someone who is starting out in land and development, maybe they have a bit of experience, you know, doing other property stuff, you know, where can they start with sourcing? How can they set themselves up? And what's maybe a process they should kind of follow to, you know, reach the kind of level you have with, I think you said 400 developments since you've started, which is epic. What can they do to, to kind of, do the same, I suppose. Um, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've certainly made loads of different mistakes. So I was sort of, you know, the analogy is people who go around the racing track and some people seem to have this ability to sort of, you know, see things coming and take the racing line. And even though I'm getting better at that, I, I feel slightly more that I've just sort of, you know, been dragged around the edge with my nose scraping against the side. But the, um, you know, it's sort of, um, I think, in, in t- I think really it's around, um, understanding because even in what you just said then there's, there's a reason broad range so it's understanding what you actually want want to do um and then really about sort of you know going going for that see, seeing where the seeing where the the patterns are and, and understanding where you know where there are opportunities that lots of people aren't looking at and that sounds like well everyone's looking at the same stuff and and you know and, and that must be the best stuff so i mean i suppose so understand what it is that you want to do so if you if you're starting out out it's probably unrealistic to say you want to go for um uh you know finding building plots to 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 sell on or potentially develop jv with a builder type thing and and have that as your focus but then also say you want to be um you know picking up mixed use you know shops and uppers in certain occasions i I think it's i would it's really, really difficult when you start off because you really don't know what's going to work and it's there's an, there's an element of risk. But my view is you can make money in all of these different things as long as you do it well. So essentially what I'd say is focus, find one thing that you want to do and do it well. Um, around and then, and then have a look and just really get to know the location. So for example, you decide that it is going to be land and you want to focus on land. So you say, right, well, let's, Let's have a look at my my geographic area, and I really, you know, I, I use Land Insights. Um, other people use Nimbus Maps. There's like there's fantastic software packages and stuff available now that that wasn't available, you know, you know, back when I wasn't quite as grey as I am now. And um, you know, sort of it is it is easier to to be able to sort of find stuff and to be able to do a lot of stuff on your computer rather than you know, driving around, having a look at stuff or looking at ordnance survey maps or, you know, sort of, um, you know, the basic Google type map. So I, w- I would be really sort of deciding what it is you're looking for. Um, keep it appropriate. So, you know, remember that, you know, if you're if you're coming into something, it's unlikely that you're, there, you're then going to be able to go land, right, I'm going to look at, you know, you might say, right, well, I'm going to look at strategic you know, strategic developments because straight away you're, 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 you're sort of pitching yourself up against, you know, the real big boys. 
And you know, I, 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 you know, I, I certainly am not there in a position, you know, to, to, to um, uh, you know, would would feel comfortable in in doing that. So it's around sort of, you know, looking at saying, well, what, you know, be realistic about where you're actually at, what, what, what your aim is, and, and sort of, you know, if, if that is to find plots in and around the established. Um, uh, you know where, where the you know um, established uh, sort of habitable area is, and look around those boundaries. Having a look to see, you know, look for look for plots that are a size that you could actually potentially do and build with a um, you know build with a JV partner or a you know or, or a local builder. So that's probably something that's you know one to one to five units. So have a look about what that sort of size is. Then you know looking at the right look at the right towns to say right well this you know within say 20 miles of where you live have a look and say right which which um which planning authorities haven't met targets who's under pressure to to, you know to have you know um uh you know to to increase their their housing supply and it's sort of it's, it's having a look at those sort of things look have a chat to local planning consultants see where they think the opportunities are you know a lot of people will you know have coffee with people just get to know just build up a bit of intelligence around it and then just sort of just just narrow your criteria. And then suddenly you'll find that instead of you're you know, competing with sort of as it seems you're competing with everyone, you're then competing with a relatively, um, uh, you know, relatively narrow field and then just do it really, really well. So if you, it is writing letters and making sure that you've got, you know, you've got an established, you know, set up a, a business. It doesn't matter if it's brand new, you know, everyone starts somewhere, you know, make sure you've got a decent um you know, a decent logo, not just something that was just bought off the internet or, you know, bought for a fiver or whatever. Um, make sure you've actually got some, you know, decent letterheads. And so if it's, you know, if you're writing letters then start to do that and then just have a bit of confidence, perhaps look at investing in some courses. But again, you can very, very easily lose loads of money, you know, so just be quite selective over that. And um, yeah, just sort of you know, go from there, but just make sure that you always sit in everything you do in the top 5% of quality. And then very soon you'll find that, the, the competition just drifts away and, and you get to know stuff and then you know the opportunities will come because i really believe there's opportunities absolutely everywhere and it's just just a case of understanding how to pick those up mm, really good points there and a lot of people i think you can touch on this at the beginning that i speak to maybe want to go straight into land or development they haven't done a buy to let a hd nothing it's sort of right i'm getting to property and I want to do developments because, of course, you know, big money, obviously more money, more problems. But, you know, what are your thoughts on people like going straight into land and development? I, I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's an issue because I think it's I, I don't think it's right to say that there's um, uh, that it's it's necessarily more difficult. Um, and I and I, I don't and I think to do buy to let um, you know HMO commercial conversions town centre stuff well is actually you know it's, it's not it's not straightforward so you know I don't I think you know and I, one of the things that I really struggled with when I sort of because we've done um, you know I think we've done thirty or forty new build projects um, and that you know the largest one had been um, seven new build houses. Um, peace haven and you know we were going to do you know sort of looking at these these other types of sites 
and you know a lot of stuff that we'd done have been have been sort of you know back garden developments and and you know really didn't you know really that the craft wasn't completely honed and I think in sort of you know over the last couple of years really sort of getting into this and now I feel you know really really comfortable and it's coming across the sort of the conversion rate with landowners is you know is is increasing exponentially and we get some really good deals over the line and next next couple of years of us you know for us are going to be absolutely huge and it might be that we switch you know we will switch attention far more to becoming you know a sort of a reasonable sized local house builder um but the you know the the I don't know, the, the thing with it is, is the way I see it is it's like a different sport. Like as I was saying to, to Paul and Jamie, it's like I, I really felt for some time like a rugby union player who's trying to play rugby league or vice versa because I was trying to, like the way that it works with, you know, getting, um, you know, getting deals over the line, sort of say, you know, f- finding a, a, you know, property that's sort of pre-market um, mixed use or, you know, something conversion to HMOs, you basically, you go in, you have a look at, you appraise it really, really quickly. You do your numbers. You know, we've got sort of spreadsheets and stuff that we use um, that are quite detailed, but you can do them, you know, literally I've done them on my phone You know, I'm using the calculator and literally putting in, putting in offers at that, you know, literally straight away to get something tied up and just trying to get it to exchange to get legal control. Whereas land can be, you know, we're, 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 we're you know, things can take years and, you know, talking to landowners for like a really long period of time. So I think I, d- I think people can go straight into that. And certainly loads and loads of successful house builders have, you know, that a lot of them have started as builders. They're doing stuff for developers and then they say, well, you know, start to, you know, we can find our own plot, you know, and then a couple of plots and then it's three, four, five, and then five becomes 10 and they become more attractive to, to lenders, which is critical. And then, you know, so loads of people haven't, haven't had that sort of, you know, buy to let HMO type journey. So I, 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 I genuinely think that it's, you know, you can definitely start off with it. And I think they're just as complicated as each other. Yeah, no, fair enough. And, you know, I like that you said, you know, land takes time and it can take years even to negotiate a deal because I think it's very easy for people to see people doing really well with land and to hear us talking about it and to hear you talking about it, but not actually realize, you know, the kind of level of work that goes into it. And, you know, speaking of level of work, obviously to get these kind of off market deals, you're doing, you know, direct to vendor work and campaigns and obviously using land insight to, to get access to that and find things. I mean, what is, well, I suppose there's two questions. One, you know, what are your thoughts generally on, on D2V and any, any particular tips or strategies that you find quite useful? And then secondly, what is a sort of decent conversion rate, you know, from a D2V campaign to actually having a conversation? Okay. Um, tips. Um, so we, we've, we've, um, used letter campaigns to access um, see land land deals, but also to access you know sort of uh, and um, to try contacts uh, commercial property owners. And what we found is that those are you know that the um, the response rate is is better with landowners than. Um, when I say land, it's, it's 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 plots plots of land, people who own own land, rather than you know sort of 
you know commercial properties even if it's the sort of thing that you're looking to sort of knock down and build flats because the the there's, there's a they're a different type of beast it's the difference between somebody who sort of you know might be a farmer or might be a sort of somebody who owns a you know bought a bought a bungalow on a big plot years ago it's basically the difference between sort of landowners and people who are really really commercially savvy and 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 therefore it's a the response rate is far higher with landowners. It's really quite, it's quite difficult to, um, and we have got, we've got some really, really good deals and we will continue to do it. You just need to be aware of how difficult it can be when you're writing to um, commercial landlord mixed use type thing, because, you know, they, um, uh, and, you know, and we found that sort of more of our deals have, have still come, you know, through our network of agents pre market than, we, than we've than we've had by the sort of direct to vendor campaigns, and, and one of the reasons for that is that we are going up against, um, you know, and is it you know these are these are us. I mean, you know, twenty years, twenty thirty years ago, um, you know, the, you know, what what would be your listener base? We're all sort of we're investing in commercial now. Now commercial is sort of you know people are sort of far more interested in in high yield residential, and in, in another twenty thirty years it might change again. You know who knows? You know it might be as you say all, all sorts of different type of commercial and warehousing and that sort of stuff and and bigger infrastructure type things. Um, but these people are you know much as you you, you know much as people would have now they, they they built up their portfolio and if they get a letter from somebody and it's very unlikely that they. That they're going to sell and if they are they're going to want to sell and they know exactly what it's worth you know so that's that's um that's one of the challenges we've we've had whereas we found that with people who come to the market um, or want to sell something then they're already motivated whereas if you're writing them a letter then they're going to ask for you know they're going to ask for you know decent amount of money and very very few people do not you know aren't aware of what they've got and most people are abreast of planning regulations conversions and stuff like that so um so I mean, it'll just be aware that that's going to be slightly more difficult. Um, conversion rate for us in terms of land response is probably around five percent, um, and then slightly lower for um, for commercial, maybe sort of two or three percent. You know, and, that, and that's to get that's to get some sort of contact from them, um, and then obviously then to then get. Um, you know, for that to go down to a deal, I mean, I'd have to look really. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of already going to sort of, you know, wait till we've done sort of two years of it to really start to, to go into those numbers because it's, you know, you can have a good month and a bad month and it's it's quite hard. And because it takes so long, especially on the land, to work out when something actually comes to a deal, that it's 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 quite hard to, you know, quite hard to work that out. But certainly, it's it's an you know, it's, it's a numbers game. So you need to make sure that you've, you've, you're finding the right types of properties that are appropriate. Um, that you're right, you know, that you're writing, you know, a decent quality letter. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm a, um, I've got a reasonable size portfolio and I get letters absolutely all the time. And it's just, you know, some people you just think they really are wasting, wasting the paper and stamp and their own time because this, you know, the absolute bilge that, they, that they're sending out. Um, so make sure quality, but then also you, you've got to just be quite attritional about it. Like you are not the response, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be quite, it's going to be quite poor. But what you can do as well, you know, one of the deals that we're doing at the moment, we're going on Friday to try and tie something up. Um, it's taken a long time, a lot of relationship, but I've, I phone this lady every Friday for eight months. So, wow. you know, it's taken time. And, you know, literally I have it in my diary to phone this lady. Um, you know, we're going to get, um, you know, 
between t- 10 and 20 houses on, on her plot. But um, so, you know, it's certainly a deal that's worth doing. But, um, you know, that, that, that lady, we wrote a letter and she ignored it. And she showed me the pile of letters, but I went and knocked on the door. So it's also, you know, you can just be, and it's about sort of getting that right. You don't want to be too invasive. You need to be, you know, it's about getting the balance. And then it's a lot of it is once you've got that response is around relationship building and the psychology around that, which is completely different to dealing with, you know, professional landlords and people who own, you know, 30, 40 shops, because all they really want, they might not even want you to, they want you to, they want you to go in, do an appraisal and email them a figure and that's it, you know, and that's sort of, it's a completely different relationship. Yeah. I think that's a really good example there. And, you know, with this lady, you could have called for eight months and at the end of it, she could say, I'm not selling or nah. And, and, you know, I suppose that's all part of the game, right? Having that and having it fall out of bed potentially at the last minute. Well, that's, that's it. And so, you know, I position, you know, I position myself and I sort of played with, you know, because also, um, own a letting agent, Sussex Property Partnership, and it's um, sub-brand ProLets, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, a really fast-growing letting agency. And I, I've, I've sort of found myself going, oh, I need to sort of, you know, step into that business more. I've needed to, you know, I've got to manage my own portfolio um, and, and, and other bits. And I've, re- you know, and I've, I've realized that positioning myself in at the sort of the sharp end, because, you know, really it's, I suppose the sharp end is, is where the project managers, you know, project managers are but in terms of the sourcing it's absolutely critical to our business it's the most important thing and you need to have complete acceptance around the the, the fact that almost all of your time is a complete waste of time which means that you know having enthusiasm to talk to someone even though we'll probably come to nothing going to you know as i am three viewings this afternoon knowing that probably none of none of them will work and just not being lazy because it is a numbers game. You know, you can certainly, we do loads of work around, you know, looking at stuff on, on land insight and doing measurements and, you know, Google, you know, use um, Google earth to just zoom around it, have a look, count windows, all of these different criteria we've got to make sure that, you know, if I'm driving for 45 minutes, it isn't a complete waste of time, but it might well be, you know, you need to have like your mark one eyeball on stuff to actually be able to understand what it's going to work. And, I think the thing, this thing around sourcing and stuff is you just need to understand that it is graft and you've just got to be prepared to have most of your time wasted, most of your hopes dashed. And, you know, it sounds, that's just, that's just a game, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. But, you know, like you said, this is one deal, for example, 10 to 20 houses. I mean, even if it was one flip for someone or even one buy to let, the rewards from that, especially when you complete it, like you just forget, well, I don't know, I do anyway, I forget all the graft because you're like, oh, well, that was, that was worth exactly. it. It was great. Exactly. So if you're working for, if you're working for a company and I'm not, you know, I've, you know, most of my, most of my you know, best friends and mates from the army and people at university with and stuff, you know, most, most people have got, you know, and they've got really, really rich and interesting lives working for the people that they work for. Um, so I'm not sort of trying to say that, you know, working for yourself or having a property business is better than that because it is just different. But, you know, if you think that you're working for somebody and you, you know, and you're earning sort of 30, 40 grand or something like that and you, and you're giving, you're giving them, you know, you're, you're, you're going somewhere and giving them sort of 40 hours of your life every week, um, you know, for a year, then you could think that's a lot of time. So in that time, you know, rather than doing that, you could spend the same amount of time and, you know, and you could really sort of 
become really exceptional at something that will, you know, give you sort of be far more rewarding. And also, you know, in the longer term, you know, at least if not in the shorter term, you know, give you sort of far more, you know, far more financial return. And and, and if we've looked at all that and you actually treat it like a business, treat it like you would do and say, well, this is the time I would have given to, you know, X where X insert company used to work for. And say, so, right, instead, what I'm going to do is it's actually really dedicate that time to becoming excellent at this and to focus on my area and to, and to do the legwork, to phone these people every week, to go and drive round stuff, to just to spend the time on, you know, on land insight, on Nimbus or whatever else it is, you know, to actually really, really get to know it, to, to keep abreast of all the sort of the latest policy changes, to keep up with, you know, sort of um, podcasts and things like that. And and, and then you'll, you'll find that, you know, I mean, I'd be very surprised if anyone didn't break even in year one, you know, and, and, and certainly years two, three, four, five and whatever else, you know, I think it's, it's a, you know, it, it's very, I think, I think it's actually very easy to replace previous income. You know, obviously if you were, you know, a hedge fund manager or something like that, it might be slightly harder, but they, you know, it's sort of, um, I think that, you know, we, 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 we don't realize how much time, you know, we, we give to other things. And if we just give that amount of time to this, then I, I think you can do very well. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And yeah, I like that. It's a good way of looking at it. And, you know, earlier you said there's a lot of bad letters out there. Now, a common question I see from people like on Facebook and you know, when we're talking about sourcing is, hey, has anyone got a template that I can use? You know, how, what do I write in my letter? Now, the ones that I've seen from people who have said they're successful with them have been quite simple, you know, hi, I'm Ted, I'm a property developer, seen your land, would love to talk about it, here's kind of what we do. It's quite short, quite straight to the point. In your opinion, what makes a good director vendor letter? Well, so we use, I mean, I, you know, we and I do use um, uh, Paul Higgs, templates mill bank templates and we we have changed we've got to sort of we've changed them um what we've found and so that they they are reasonably simple insofar as you know i remember sort of as a you know myself going back to being an army officer it was all about accuracy and brevity so you know keeping everything if you can onto one page just using the minimum amount of words don't try to show off you know no one's going to be impressed if you've swallowed a dictionary. Um, but also at the same time, you need to be not too jovial, get the get the tone right, not, you know, to come across as being professional, don't come across as being, you know, brash or arrogant, but also people expect you to be doing it and to be successful at it, but you don't want to push that success into their faces. So I think really it's just around just being, basically just being sort of, you know, professional, um, and yeah, and not too long. Like say, so, so some. I mean, you know, so are, are we we've not deviated too much from from the templates that you know that we've sort of um, that we were given it previously. And I've looked back at letters that I've done, you know, previous to that, and um, you know that they were. I think they were probably slightly, you know, slightly too informal, and um, you know, and and, I, and the response rate was quite poor. So I think I think I think it is around simple, but I think it's it's. It's around professional because if you get, you know, you get somebody, um, you know, you, you might get, you know, if you say, for example, you're choosing a solicitor, you know, you, you go and you actually say, well, well I, I really like this person. This one's really, you know, he's a good, you know, he 
he's quite fun to talk to, uh, you know, or, or they, um, you know, like I, I quite like they're quite stylish or look quite cool or whatever. And then you got you know, a lady over here. You think, well, you know, she's you know a little bit bookish, and um, you know, but actually like really knows her stuff. If suddenly you found yourself in a crisis, I guarantee you'd go for the bookish lady who knows her stuff. <laughs> you know, and that's the sort of, and that's like where you're at with these people. And they say they get the letter and they, you know, this is their one shot at actually selling something. And actually, and they go, well, do you know what? I think I'll take professional first. So I think I think it's really about being professional first, and then you know, and then and then, um, but not to you know, just keep the English so it's simple. You're not trying to show off. Make it so that they understand what you're trying to do. I think repetition is okay. Um, as in, you know, just to re, you know, reinforce points. Um, but then it's cause it is, it is just about, you know, I think the personality bit can come in when you, um, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you get your foot in the door and you go and meet them, you know, and, and, you know, I've got, I've got sort of, you know, landowners that I've, I'm talking to and, you know, we're, we're WhatsApping, pictures of ourselves playing with our kids at the weekend you know like and it's sort of you get that personal type of thing you know you met with them a number of times and and it's sort of that's where you can really build a bond between you but I think the first letter you know I know I get stuff and I don't know I'm not a psychologist I know you get, I get stuff that's like you know bright green or bright yellow and obviously I can understand so trying to get my attention um and to get any you know and those those letters I suppose do get opened but then if it's not if the content isn't right then I'm just going to think that, you know, it's essentially it's a clown that's written it. So I'm not going to respond, you know, but, you know. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. The content has to, I like that approach of being professional at first because the, yeah, the solicitor examples as a good comparison there. And yeah, you would be calling the bookish one who knows her stuff like all day long. So I suppose if we, if we move along the sort of process, you know, once you've sourced a deal, well, I suppose you'd be doing this before actually, but you know, pricing up development, um, you know, pricing up by to let or a flip or an existing project. I think once you've done a few, it's fairly straightforward. You can walk into a house and say, yeah, this is a 15 grand refurb, blah, blah, blah. I know what I'm doing. But with land, of course, there's so many variables and so many factors. Is there any way, at least, you know, for people's sort of initial calculations that they can work out build costs do you do per square meter per square foot do you do it like how can people you know when they're at their desk i suppose looking at land and like looking at things like this how can they work out that big chunk of what is it going to cost me to to build this thing this is this is this for me is you know i suppose everyone's got their strengths haven't they so um you know this this is this is a tough thing because, you know, and I, I won't pretend for a second that I haven't got this wrong before, you know. Um, and, and it isn't, you know, it's, it's, it's new build is really, really difficult. Um, commercial conversion is potentially, you know, and, and, and sort of partial demolition conversion and the permitted development type stuff can be even harder because you've got all sorts of things. And you're basically converting something from one use to something else. And it was designed with a different use in mind in a different time. And it's, it's really, really difficult to, to, to make sure that you've got the costs correct because, you know, so, so um, how do you do it? It's, it's, you know, obviously we've got, you know, I've got experienced project managers. We, we keep 
the intelligence that we have around um, our um, our developments in terms of you know what we've spent, what that works out. We do everything on a square foot price, um, and you know we we know what these rates are, which means I can relatively easily you know, much as you're saying about going and say it's fifteen grand, going and say well this conversion is going to be, you know. 50 pound of 75 pound a square foot this one's more heavy it's got more structural work it's going to be 100 125 pound or it's a new build and it's going to be between you know 160 and 190 um it, it's sort of you know we've got we're building up that intelligence but i, I think also you know to, to get that there given that not everyone's going to have access to a qs uh, and, and i'm going to want to be able to spend money on every you know you can't pay a qs for every appraisal otherwise you very soon you know very soon go bust um a lot of it is around sharing information so you know going to so it's understanding you know as you go to your local networking meetings understand who's also doing the stuff that you're doing you're not in competition with anyone look look like get rid of that from your head straight away like it's cooperation and not competition like there's loads of people i, I totally believe in like wave etiquette um so you know you say you'll let a surface at the beach you're all going for you want to take away but there'll be others so just you know have the etiquette let people go first let people have their deals don't try to steal other people's deals and be open and honest with people about where you make mistakes and let them benefit from the learnings that you've had so what we do is you know is around understanding who the local builders are understanding who's doing conversions similar to you you know go and have coffee with them and just say to them like, well you know how, how are you finding costs at the moment where do you think what, what did that development cost you per square foot you know all in and just make sure you you've got you know you're comparing you know eggs with eggs so understand when you're asking you know all in costs and you know make sure what's included in those but just talk to people and be completely open and honest and be prepared to that give give that information to other people as well and i've got i've got a network of people who call call me all the time and you know always always take that call always make yourself available to people and say look you know this is what we're doing this is what we found and help people and be helped and that's that that's where i think you can get a really good good idea about what you know what things cost and then of course you've got a case of you know seeing seeing which builders are doing are doing what and then have a chat to them and say look you know oh i noticed you did a you know you were doing you were doing those three houses over there what was you know what what did that cost to build and they're not going to you know they're going to you know they should give you a reasonably accurate figure and they're going to want to talk to you because the chances are you're going to be giving them that work you know so they're always sort of um the inf there's information there but you've just got to you know and there's are you know there's architects and planning consultants who can you know suggest you have a chat to someone and as long as you're sort of nice and humble and polite and respectful and all of those things i think you'll find that most people are open to helping helping you and therefore they'll give you you know give you all the information you need to appraise something yeah good point and that's exactly how i've gone about learning these things so and, and it works you know people obviously have different answers but like you said there it's really key to understand what does that include is it services is it this is it that is it landscaping because you know i've done it before where i've not included something and i was like oh wow great deal and i put in you know the, the work for the drive and some landscaping a few bits and bobs and i was like yeah this is not a deal anymore it's it's just not working and so yeah. you know i think it's easy to get caught up in that but another two things for people who maybe don't want to pay a QS. There's Travis Perkins and Juicens do something. I think Juicens call it the aviator where 
you put, you kind of send them a spec. So obviously you need to kind of maybe know what you're doing at the start and they price it up all labor, all materials for your area. So I think they have a team of QSs or maybe some sort of tech that can price up any level of refurb for you. So maybe send them, you know, one fairly complex new build, get that, get that, that breakdown from them and then play around with it across five units, 10 units, whatever. I don't know how accurate it is. I haven't used it myself, but I've heard very good things about it and it costs, I don't know, 400 quid, 150 quid. Yeah, there's, there's, there are, there are, and that's, that's, you know, and we, and we, we've, and we've used that, you know, and it's, um, there's, there's, there are, there are loads of different things you can use and that, and, you know, and that is, that is a good example of something you can use, you know, and it's, and it's realistic because I mean, obviously, you know, there's slightly difficult at the moment because you've got lots of, um, you know, prices are changing at building, you know, um, building merchants, you know, quicker than they used to. But yeah, no, a hundred percent. Those sort of things It's just around just having a look at it, being just thinking outside the box and just getting as much information as you possibly can. But it is hard. You know, we, we've, we've got a site over, um, what we would call a strategic site. Um, but it is sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's infilled. Um, it's, um, just outside the settlement boundary. It's, uh, you know, it's been identified by the council as a site for future development farming land and we think we can get between 70 and 90 houses so for us that's huge wow. for you know if it if it was you know if it was for you know barrett homes or something you know it's not they probably wouldn't even get out you probably would leave the office to go and have a look at it and that's and that's again it's what we coming talking about earlier is um you know understanding who your competition is and actually just sort of going for the going for stuff that's appropriate for you um you know and this is something that we would be able to to deal with you know albeit with you know in in joint venture with um with a building partner um but it but in that we've really really struggled it's it's in a um it's in flood zone three um and not not the whole site but you know um half of it it's got there, there are some challenges around the um you know it's a sort of private road going in um there's there, there are real challenges and loads of different things that that can that can essentially cost quite a lot of money and it's around you know when you're looking at um, you know, praising that type of site, you know, the difference, you know, because obviously what you essentially do is you, you start off with, you work out what the market, you know, what the market rate, what you think you're going to be able to achieve on a square foot basis to, to, to work out the GDV based upon, you know, the, the, the amount of houses you're going to get there by, you know, by square foot. And then, and then, you know, you can obviously very quickly work out, you know, the sell and other, other things there. But then you come to this, this big thing, which is the bill cost. And you go like, <laughs> And, and, and the difference that, and you can work out, right, this is what the fees are likely to be and this, and you can all that sort of break it down. But the, the, the you know, the difference between, you know, in, in this site, um, you know, cause obviously what we've got to do is, 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 is get something that's attractive to the landowner and, um, and, you know, a, a bill cost, say, because you, you think you're going to get a decent economy of scale over that sort of size. It's not a huge, um, a huge valuable area so therefore you can sort of the spec doesn't need to be super high end um which does have a big you know make a big difference but you you're then looking at you know if you're looking at say 165 170 pound a square foot then suddenly you know you, you're going to do a great deal the landowner is going to be absolutely ecstatic and everything's wonderful but if that goes up by 10 pound a square foot then you know then or 20 pound a square foot it's just quite realistic in this case because of all the different you know it could be sort of pushing up towards you know 100 and um you know, 190 pound a square foot because of all of the, you know, all of the other stuff that needs to go in, infrastructure, whatever. Um, you then, um, 
you then suddenly find that you know you haven't got a deal at all and not only be not going to deal but you know he'll never speak to you again so that's the sort of it's like you know it's it's just it's really really hard but at the same time you know you're not you're not trying to you know obviously you want to you want to do a deal with him you know you built up a relationship over some time but you don't want to bankrupt yourself so it just <laughs> it's a difficult one you know and it's it getting those prices and that's where we've really seen a range and it's just you know yeah you know just just keep getting information you can't have a you can't have too much information but you can certainly have too little yeah that's a good point and i i think also I, i'm seeing this right now you know going from buy to lets doing quite a few of them and then now looking at land it's like right when i'm assessing a you know a brr buy to let i've got a checklist but i can sort of count it on on two hands but when it comes to land and when i'm appraising things the checklist for, you know, rolls off the end of the table. It's, it's so much more complex. There's 101 moving parts compared to that. And so I'm seeing, you know, what you're saying with all, you know, all these challenges and things I'm like, and all the listeners, I'm experiencing it now. And it, it kind of can feel endless to an extent, at least when you're new in it. So, you know, I definitely see what you're saying there. And yeah, I, I feel it. Yeah, I mean, just just on on that, though, you, you 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 that's because you're you're in the code that is, you know, your buy to let your ten fingers. What you don't, what you haven't counted, is the other fifteen or twenty things that you do naturally, which is understanding where a location is, understanding where you know, sort of infrastructure, what you're looking for, sizes, room sizes. I, I don't know you know, HMO regulations or whatever. There's loads of different things that you will have that you automatically do because if you were actually to, if you were to, if you were to teach it to a child, it wouldn't be on two hands. It would be on dozens of hands. And it's just a lot of it it's because that's what you've been doing for, you know, and you've been successful at doing that. And then you go in to do something else. So what I'm saying is, is, you know, if you're talking to, and I find it really frustrating when I'm, you know, when you're talking to, you know, and I was talking to, because I, I was exactly like that. And I still am to a certain extent. I'm certainly far more, in 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 the in the first camp as in the sort of you know you know buy select commercial conversion hmo and whatever else and even though those are those in themselves are loads of different things they are quite easily clumped together um more than the, the new build but i'm saying it's just sort of there's a lot of stuff if you come to it new there's a lot of stuff that you can quite quite easily you find that you then do the second nature that wasn't second nature at first you know and i think a lot of stuff that you you know, in, in building your portfolio, there's stuff that at first you will have been writing lists. A lot of it you just do. And you're even your subconscious is doing when you're going on a viewing. So you don't need to sort of, you know, it doesn't need to be as, you know, diligently sort of gone through as, as land does. Um, so I think it's something you can, you can, you can certainly pick up and I'm finding I'm doing it far more. Um, you know, if you look at someone like Paul Higgs, he sort of, you know, he doesn't give the impression he's somebody who's got, you know, pages and pages of lists because most of it he's already mentally checked off. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, no, I definitely see that really good point. So, Andy, just to close off the podcast, what have you got planned for this year? This this is a really, really busy year for us. Um, and every year I've thought has been really, really busy. You know, we've been sort of going target five money for eight years. And, you know, we had we had one year, 2016, we did, did 100 deals in that year. And that was really, really busy. Um, but a lot of that was you know, really, really simple conversion stuff. I don't even know how many box dormers, probably 60 or something in that year. Like, but it was just the same thing. It was just like, you know, get, it was just sort of, re, you know, repeat until board type thing. And, uh, you know, the, and this really isn't like that. So we're not going to do that sort of volume, but we're probably going to get, I mean, we probably will do 70 or 80 units in terms of, you know, flats and stuff that, you know, some of them in, 
in in larger blocks. I, mean, I don't I don't know how many rooms you're going to do tons, but the um, what's good this is this this year is is everyone is different, and it's it's so it's it's um, this year for us is we're doing a lot of a lot of commercial conversion. We're probably going to do three or four start three or four new build projects, um, and the rest of it's going to be commercial conversion. But it's all different. And this is where the challenge is now, um, you know. But but there are but the you know the, the, the reason we're we're dealing with those sort of things it's 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 too difficult for other people, um, and, and the numbers are, are completely different. You know the, the sort of the profitability of them. You know, you know we should have by far and away our best year coming up in terms of profitability. Um, but it's going to be difficult. It's going to be super super challenging, and we're constantly as a team, you know. You know, re-looking at what we're re-looking at what we're doing. We're learning from each other. We're constantly on the phone, you know, to to other people as well because this, you know, there's lots of things that are sort of pushing us in different areas. We're going to do a um, a large hotel conversion. We've got, you know, um, you know, new build box of flats where we're knocking down, partially knocking down commercial and all the challenges that come with that. So it's 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 basically going to be a really really interesting and diverse year for us. And I think it's sort of it's one that's really going to sort of um, uh, going to set us up for you know what comes next. And I, I really see a really, I mean, I, I think that the the opportunity for everyone listening in for the next five years is is huge, um, and you know for us especially. But it's we're gonna it's going to be a difficult year, I think, because it's there's you know no to say no two projects are the same, and there's going to be loads and loads of learnings. I've got to assume that going to be some mistakes made. Um, I'm going to have to roll with the punches. We're going to have to be, you know, make sure that we don't, you know, any mistakes aren't compounded. They're dealt with quickly. Um, you know, my, my, um, so I'm an ex-bomb disposal officer. My master's is in risk management. So it's a lot about just understanding, preempting where the problems, the risk are going to be, dealing with them quickly, exploiting the opportunities and then just sort of, yeah, and then see where we are in a year's time. <laughs> I love that. Amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to watching things get bigger and better this year. So, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the Tedge Talks podcast. Thank you, Tedge. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.